Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Lethal Podcast. Today we took a minute to talk about being more prepared in the field for when things go wrong, particularly with your bow. Uh, We covered some really, like, really small investments that could end up saving your hunt. Uh, We even touched on some stuff that could end up saving your life, especially in the backcountry. Hope you guys enjoy this one. It's something to really consider with everybody hitting the woods here in the next month or so. And like I said, this is a really low investment amount, and uh, I I think it's it's something that everyone should consider looking into. Uh, As always, this podcast is fueled by Hunter's Blend Coffee. Uh, I'm still not drink, drinking a ton of coffee right now, although I do allude to uh, wading into some uh, drinking some other stuff at the beginning of this episode. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't go and enjoy that coffee as well. So go to huntersblendcoffee.com, use the code ABF at checkout. Be sure to use all caps, and 10% of your purchase will be donated to the organization uh, that we had on last week, the Ashley Bow Hunting Foundation. So don't forget to do that before the episode is over. Uh, as always, if you like the content, we really appreciate it when you drop us a review. Uh, uh, particularly on iTunes. It helps us out with the exposure algorithm, and iTunes is by far the biggest uh, podcast platform. So it's really, really cool when you guys can do that. Uh, um, also, if we have some merch and stuff on our website, if you when you buy that, uh, that helps us out too. Just had to renew uh, the website for next year, and uh, let me let, let me tell you, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the cheapest thing. So uh, if you go on there, purchase that stuff, uh, it really helps us out. And everyone who bought stickers, it is in the mail, so you should be seeing those very, very soon. Uh, but anyway, enough of my rambling. Here's our latest episode where we talk about being prepared. Enjoy. Yeah, well, I also, I'm not supposed to drive and I drove today because Uh-oh. I, well, my wife ran out to do something after, uh, work and I was, uh, I was a very hungry boy and, uh, so I, I drove to grab food before we started recording, but, uh. Yeah, I don't I haven't uh I haven't been drinking cuz I'm like terrified to put like anything not good in my body at this right. moment. Uh well, so. and especially from a recovery aspect. Yeah, it's it's not going to help. You know, reducing your oxygen level in your blood will reduce recovery rates. It'll dehydrate you. Mhm. All of that does not help recovery. Right. But the alcohol on the inside of my body should is like, sanitary. Clean yeah, yeah, it, it should clean things up really well. Yeah, you know, that's that's not a bad idea. But <laughs> yeah, but I want to I want to record I want to record that like halfway intoxicated. So, yeah. yeah. We'll uh that. Well, uh before, I mean, I've, I'm we're already recording and I'm f- fully yeah. planning on including this part. Um yep. uh Car- Carter just posted a picture it said, "Hit me up for price. Hit me up for pricing for my homeschool program." And it's got all these kids around like a whiteboard, and then it's like projector screen, a uh, uh, picture of Alex Jones and Infowars, and it's <laughs> it's so funny. Nice. It's so so funny. Oh my so, god. Have you so guys Matt- listened to the uh, Tim Dillon podcast at all? I have not. No. I have not. He's a comedian, but like he goes down a lot of the same rabbit holes as Alex Jones. Mm. Oh yeah. It, it's a lot funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check that out. I, I, I think, I think Alex Jones is like one of the most interesting people. Ever. Oh, he's oh it's, it's always interesting. 
Yeah. Well, like, I mean, the oh. thing is, like, half the time he's not wrong. Like, half, like yeah. that's that's the funny part. Yeah. Is that yeah. he goes completely off the wall, like yelling and screaming, intense. Yeah. And like you're like this dude's off his rocker, and then like six months later, you're like, wait, like, oh, he was right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Like he was right, but that is so not good. Yeah, like I'm yeah. not subscribing to the lizard people like just yet, but I mean, at this point, nothing would surprise me. Yeah, pretty but much. His turn anyway. in the frogs gay rant is still the best rant. Ever. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. The waters turn in the frogs gay. Oh boy, but I mean, but that's the out. But the thing is. Alex Jones was like one of the first people to be talking about. I don't know. This is a bow hunting podcast. Why the hell are we talking about this? But Alex know. Jones was like one of the first people to be talking about all the shit that the CIA did back in the 60s. Like yeah. when they were when they were like sterile and uh, not sterilizing. Uh, was it when you uh, when you make sure people can't have babies? Um, yeah, completely. Yeah. Eugenics, sterilization. Uh, Yes. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They were. Uh, uh, yeah. They were sterilizing entire uh, populations in St. Louis, and like, like Alex Jones is like the first person to be talking about it. And then they started releasing all these files with the of what everything, all the stuff that you know, the CIA and the FBI and all these people were doing in the in the fifties and sixties. And sure as shit, that's, what, that's exactly what they were doing. So <laughs> that's everything is just getting crazier and crazier and like i i just want to go disappear in the woods dude (laughs) i i heard heard that when is uh and if you don't want to say it for like security reasons then that's fine i understand when when are you leaving for alaska i guess Uh, i I could i could bleep this out if you want me to oh no that's fine um that's i'll be leaving um in like two, two and a half weeks on the second okay Oh, so you leave the very, very beginning of September. Okay, yep. cool. Yep. Uh, well, I guess I'll take like a hot second to get like, because I've already had a couple people message me um, on uh, my status. So long story short, uh, uh, I have, have or had, I don't know if I don't have it anymore because they like took out the part of my colon that had it. Uh, I had diverticulitis. Uh, you guys can look up what that is because I'm not going to explain that because it's super gross. Um, but essentially something like an abscess like formed in a pot in the pocket of of my colon. And uh, it was rubbing up against it, which made it like super irritated. I went to the hospital after like four days of fighting it off. And it That's, was if going- you guys remember, this was the pain and and subsequent hospitalization that happened what like six months ago uh it was last it was last oh no it was way longer than that it was last oh, was it, it okay was, yeah yeah it was like it will it was actually i might have posted your episode no i posted the very first jake downs episode from the hospital when i was hospitalized yeah. the first time with this yeah and i think okay. we may have we may have recorded your episode like right before i went to the hospital i think Either so that yeah or, Either that or right when I got back, one of the two. But yeah, I literally posted it from the hospital. But that, yeah, that was uh, 14 months ago-ish. No, yeah. I'm sorry, like 16 months ago. Uh, but <clears throat> so, and that's when I was diagnosed. Uh, so uh, had another, and I've had like, you know, small flare-ups, no hospitalizations though since then, but uh, ended up going going back and they were like, oh, we're, we're going to, we're going to like drain the abscess. It's not a big deal. You'll be here for a couple of days. We'll give you a bunch of medicine and then you'll go home. So great. <laughs> 
and uh uh woke up one morning and was just having a you know just were uh, you know woke up the next morning in the ER after I I went in there because they didn't have any room that that evening to move me into the uh hospital upstairs and uh it ruptured uh it pushed through my intestine and when uh and spoiler alert for those who don't know a ton about human anatomy uh the outside of your uh guts and the inside of your guts is not supposed to mix it's very very bad uh so very bad. uh yeah so i went into full blown sepsis and uh they had to completely open me up uh and take out roughly like 16 inches of my colon so that's super cool. Uh, now I've got a butthole in my stomach. Uh, so I've got a, a temporary colostomy bag uh, that's going to hang out there for another two months or so. And uh, well, yeah, about two months at this point. Then I'll have another uh, small uh, surgery, not nearly as invasive to uh, kind of put the piping back together, uh, to say, you know, so to speak. So yeah, so really fun. Got a huge incision on my stomach, uh, uh, but it definitely wasn't from this. It was uh, like the movie Alien. I was fighting for our country against uh, COVID nineteen, and it's actually aliens. It's not. Uh, it's not a virus. So uh, yeah, that's that's actually what happened. Is I was the, the Alex alien. Jones thing was a perfect lead in for this. Yeah, man. Just saying. Uh, yeah, you're not you're not kidding. It's the it's the lizard people that are that are attacking us, but. So yeah, so that's kind of a short synopsis of what happened. But uh, so that's just more 2020, right? Um, but before that, I bought my Black 5 and it was all nice and shiny. And, and the week before I went and shot the R100, I shot really, really damn well. Uh, and uh, and now here we are. Now I can't even pull a bow back, which is super cool. Um, but uh, right before we recorded the last episode, uh, Rob had uh, 2020 just kept coming i guess you could say um so so we're gonna kind of base this episode off of um i guess just trying to be more prepared we're we're about a month out from most people's hunting season starting uh uh, I, i mean i guess the west has started at this point but uh uh most you know most deer seasons will open up uh you know the first first week or two of, uh, of September and, and most people be hit the, hitting the mountains for elk and, you know, the first, second week of September. So, me, me. um, huh? I said me, me, me. Yeah. Well, must be nice. Next weekend. Uh, there you you're go. Going, you're going elk hunting next weekend. Yeah, dog. Opening Damn. weekends next weekend. Shit. And then I'm off the last two weeks of the season. Wow. Party well, party. Must be nice. Mm-hmm. Wait, you took off two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I decided to. Oh my god! Like recently, I, I why did like, like this is literally? Oh my god, this is literally like the worst year for this to happen. <laughs> like the worst year, man. I'm well, so pissed. So I decided to take two weeks off because my buddy is coming out from Ohio too. Right. So you were both going to be here. Well, you were going to be here. Who Rod? Two, Rod's coming. Yeah, Rod. You were going nice. to be here two weeks, right? Yeah, I was. I was. But you yeah. were going to be here the second week of the season through the week that I was originally taking off, correct? Yeah, I think we were going to have one yeah, week you off You were going to be here like Labor Day weekend through like for two weeks after that. Was that the Labor Day? I don't know. Yeah, I think it so. It was the the <clears throat> first weekend in September is when I was flying out. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so like since Rod is coming now and since you're not like I'll either way I was going to miss two days. Well, I was going to miss one day for you 
Oh, um, you're so nice. Well, just because I, you know, I'd have to take you back to the airport. <laughs> right, but, right. Well, I'd miss. I would have missed two days regardless because Rod was going to come the day, like the Thursday that yeah. I'm done done with work, and then I'd be gone for ten days. He's coming in that Thursday. Mm, gotcha. so I'd have to go get him in Portland and then come to the Monument or whatever. Well, I was going to go. I was going to drive your truck there. Right. Yeah, but you would have already been in Monument, but I would have had to go get Rod anyway. So. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, so I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, I'm kind of missing two days of my 10 days that I allotted myself. So I'd rather miss two days of 20 days or 17 yeah. <laughs> days or whatever. <laughs> right, right. But yeah. It's, we'll see how uh, it goes. Everything's yeah, start, like bulls have already rubbed and everything. So mm. Rhett might be kind of early and wild. A little early? Huh. Yeah. Interesting. First, opening weekend might get, get a little squirrely. Hmm. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. I uh I'm jealous. Very jealous. Well, uh they change or they're waiting to change anything until 2022. So you Yeah, got yeah. So, uh actually, I don't even want to talk about that because I don't want people to Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't I do so. No, yeah. Well, <laughs> I yeah. I'm very I'm very thankful for that. Uh yeah. I, uh, I, I was a little scared, uh, thinking like, oh, well, I mean, uh, like, yeah, no, I just had to hunt other places. Like, I don't know. I'm still hoping that they don't go to a unit specific draw because that will be terrible. Right. Because right now, like the best thing about the Oregon archery tag is that, yeah, it's like there's getting to be more bow hunters, which means more competition, but that's fine. I know how to play off of people. Right. Um, you can use them to your advantage quite a bit, I would guess. Let, yeah. let them push elk to you. Yeah. Um, but the good thing about it is that, like, we can go to three, four, or five units if we want to. Like, we go across the whole state. Right, right. And if they go to a unit-specific draw instead of, like... So, like, Idaho has zones and quotas. Mm-hmm. So, they have a tag quota. Once they sell out of their tags for each zone, then all the tags are sold out. They don't sell anymore. Yeah. Um if they're going to do something to limit archery tags, I'd rather them do that than to, you know, do a straight up unit draw because unit draws just invite point creep. And like, yeah, for a few years when everybody spends their points, you know, cause like there's going to be people that are like right now, if you want to get one of the quote unquote big three, you have to wait 20 years. Right. Um, 15 well probably 15 to 25 now because point three keeps going that's crazy um, and the bulls aren't crazy big that you're gonna find so it's not really worth it in my opinion hmm. yeah um i mean they're big but like whatever i'm not they're not waiting for 20 years big but right. you know there's gonna be people that in that in between stage or like you know they'll have 10 points banked or whatever and you might see an initial drop in how many points it takes to draw stuff at first or you know they're just going to spend their points because they're not going to want to wait and right. they they're going to want to hunt every year so they're going to keep spending points people are like oh well that'll be better in the long run it's like no it'll just make more units take more points to draw yeah so that's what it's happens been... in every state that goes to a unit specific draw look at all of mm-hmm. them yeah mm-hmm. well luckily i don't have to mess with that in missouri uh mm-hmm. but uh i mean 
and shit. And where we, we get to, uh, I have to start hunting whitetail again. This is some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about blacktail? Is that can you just like buy an over the counter blacktail tag there? Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. So that they're, sounds now they're cool. talking about still like they're proposing to the commission making mule deer a draw on the east side. So what? There's not enough deer. Honestly, like that one doesn't bother me at all because oh, okay. there's literally like I'm, you know, I shot two baby bucks my first couple years out here, mm-hmm. but I'm not like I've, I decided last year that I wasn't going to shoot anything that wasn't worth it. You know what I mean? Is it, is it a predator issue? What do you think the problem is? Uh, it's a lot of issues. So predators, yes, because we can't run cat or we can't run uh, dogs for cats or bears. So the cat population is way out of control. Um, mm. And then you also have, like, in the unit that we hunt, most of the time, um, they give out a shit ton of rifle tags for bucks. And it's uh, it's any any buck with antler is legal. Mm. So anything with a freaking antler on its head gets <clears throat> molly-whopped during rifle season. And, right. like, you know, people probably bitch about me saying that if they're from Oregon and listen to this and they like to rifle hunt, but uh, that's how it is. Like, they, Man, but they just give out too many tags. Yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like that's a really simple, like maybe I'm oversimplifying this. Uh, I, I probably am, especially because I'm not from a Western state and I don't like fully understand how all the draw systems work out there or how like population control isn't like a huge deal in Missouri for whitetail. If no. anything that they're just like, I mean, there's, I mean, there's literally no unit draw. Like, there's no like, there's no limit on in in any capacity on anything. Yeah. And uh, uh, but I feel like a really simple way to like limit the amount of animals that are going to be killed, but not completely limit somebody's ability to hunt, is to shift those rifle tags to bow tags or to archery tags. And because you know, I mean, an archery success rate for anything in the mountains is like ten percent or less. Like, yeah. 90 like 90 percent of people don't kill anything right uh, whereas i feel like with rifle it's probably 30 40 50 percent success i, I would guess uh, I'm, i mean I'm, the, the success rate's like 25 percent but yeah, okay two, yeah two but times. i mean yeah but then i mean any but even if you even if you not, it, when there's not deer like it's like well you can't take that 25 percent hit every year right right yeah but if you if you limit it to archery and even if you're handing out crossbow permits like it's going out of style then I mean it's you're still not going to hit the same numbers that you do with uh, with rifle. I mean hell, I mean, in, in Missouri, uh, archery opens up for deer September like 15th or something like that, and and it, uh, the first uh, rifle season is only like 12 days in Missouri, mm. and so from September 15th to like it's the second weekend in November, so it's normally around like November 10th ish. Uh, in that what would that be two two month time frame. Uh, there are less deer killed in that two month time frame than there are on the opening weekend of rifle season. Yeah, so I feel like, uh, like that's how it is in Ohio too. Yeah, I mean, and and I mean, you know, rifle hunting is is by far the most popular, and I get it, and I right. think it's that's it's important. It's important, but man, I feel like if that'd be a really good way to boost the the deer population and encourage people to get in the outdoors more right. and I earlier. Mean, the issue, like the issue with that, is like the. ODFW has gone way too political. Mm. So they're trying to appease everyone, which is the whole reason why the whole, you know, making archery a draw became a thing anyways, because they sent out this bullshit survey to like 
maybe 4,000 people or something. And like they asked loaded questions. Like one of the questions was, uh, what weapon system would you prefer to hunt with rifle or bow? Like it didn't, that was the question. And of course, everyone's going to say rifle because I mean, not everyone, but like, well, but there's a lot more rifle hunters than bow hunters. Right. Right. Because people don't like, like bow hunting is hard. Most people don't do it. And if right. they do do it, they're not successful. Like we said, it's a 10% success, success rate. So, yeah, of course, people are going to say that they'd prefer to hunt with a rifle. And then, like, this is all stemming from, at least from how I understand it, is it's all stemming from rifle hunters being upset that they have to wait so long to draw a tag to be able to hunt mm, with a so rifle. Trying to, trying but, to the, yeah. but they don't understand that they have the opportunity right now to hunt every, they can hunt elk every year. They right. just have to pick up a bow and become proficient. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not something that everybody wants to do and not something that everybody can do. But at the same yeah. time, you can bow hunt every year and bank your points until you get the rifle tag that you want. Yeah. And whether you want to get a hard to get archery tag or a hard to get rifle tag, like you're waiting the same amount of years. So you yeah. might as well just hunt and get good at hunting in every way possible instead of taking the easy route. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, I talked to a guy at the range. He might be listening. I don't know. I gave him a couple stickers, but, uh, you know, we hope talking, you like them. Yeah. We were talking about, um, you know, hunting or whatever. And I don't think, I don't know how long he had been bow hunting, but he told me that he's killed a spike and a cow. It's like, Oh, if you've been bow like, but that's pretty common that like, you know, people, Mm-hmm. kill a, they'll, they'll kill a couple elk but like, yeah statistically you know, be, that's 20 years worth of animals right yeah they'll be you know hunting with a bow for 20 years and they kill a couple elk like that's just how it goes for a vast majority of people so if they can mm-hmm. rifle hunt of course they're going to want to because their odds go way up and they're not right. getting a tag every year like i get it but at the same time like i, I mean i've always ever since i figured out that i could hunt for four months at a time versus one week Right. And not have to deal with Yahoos. I'm like, oh, I'll just hunt with a bow all the yeah. time then. Yeah. That's way well, better. That, that, that's what drove me to bow hunt is, yeah. uh, you know, on my on my farm, it was, you know, just growing up, I just thought, oh, yeah, you got 12 days to hunt. Like, that's that's what right. you get. Yeah. And uh, or maybe it's 16 days. I don't know. Something like that. And it's uh, short. Way short. Yeah, it's short. Very short. And, and it's always like on our family farm. It was, you know you know, me my dad, my uncle, my cousins, uh, you know, uh, family friends coming in all, all that. So it's like, Oh, like our, our, our 15, our 15 stands was narrowed down to, you know, one or two stands that I had to choose, for, choose from after everyone else was, you know, decide where they were going. Yeah. And, and I was like, Oh, having to shoot stuff on the run because yeah, once the shooting yeah. starts, the animals don't stop, man. That, yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's something for sure. But, uh, yeah, but I was like, wait, if I, if I bow hunt, I can hunt like for three months before, or, you know, two months before any of this starts happening and, and yeah. I can hunt out of any of these stands. And it's just like, Oh, well, I should probably do that. But Anyway, uh, long, long story longer, uh, Rob had a bit of a mishap. Um, <laughs> no, we're, we're back to that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Circle so back. we're, we back. yeah, yeah. So yeah. going back, uh, Rob had, uh, uh well, I, I don't know if mishap's the right word. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what happened. You, you t- tell so, us, t- tell us what happened. So, um, yeah, I guess I don't even know if you'd call it a mishap. Um, it's, I'm running, uh, couple year old rx3 bought it at launch um and 
the lower floating yoke has a little plastic piece Mm -hmm. that maintains the separation of that floating yoke and connects it to the cable. Um, and just my luck, right on the shot, that little plastic piece decided to come apart. Mm. So that is, uh, part of what kind of stemmed the conversation that we're going to have tonight is like, I have all the tools. I always have spare string sets, but currently I cannot run my bow because I'm waiting on like a $2 piece of plastic. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Is that half moon the same as like the PSE ones, like same size and all that? I'm not positive. I'm pretty sure it's the same as the current RX four. Yeah, Cause like um, the Dartons and the PSEs are metal now. So no that shit, would, they're that metal. That would be handy. Yeah, you might look into that. I'm probably gonna be getting rid of this bow this winter. <laughs> anyway, metal metal kind of worries me though. Side note, like as long I mean, as it's clean, I wouldn't be concerned. Right. Yeah, I guess the Darton ones are 100 metal. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then the the PSE ones used to be plastic, but I think yep. they changed them to metal. Hmm. Which I'd prefer to have metal personally, as long as like Rob said, as long as it's clean. And I think it's just right, right. Just an anodized part, like it's machined yeah. and, and then anodized, and you'd know after a couple shots if it had a burr on it anyway. So, <laughs> oh, you'd know. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't take long. That's anyways, uh, it, it's it's long. amazing how fast the bow goes out of time when you lose a piece like that. <laughs> yeah, right. That uh, well, of course, I was. The, the night that this happened, I was um, just re-verifying broadheads. Like Matt mentioned, in a couple of weeks now, I'm going to be flying to Alaska. And so I've been kind of really buckling down and, and shooting broadheads and shooting longer ranges again and just making sure everything's good. And so I'm at, you know, 40 yards with a, a broadhead on the front. And this happens on the shot. And yeah, that arrow did not come out clean. (laughs) I can imagine everything before that was gorgeous, but uh, yeah. So good news. Shaft survived uh, going through the wooden base of the target. Broadhead's fine. No damage. So. Man, shooting broadheads. I feel like you should just consider yourself lucky. You still have a left hand. (laughs) Yeah. Especially with it's, those 315 grainers coming out of there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I chop your hand off. I don't have any concern with that unless the string broke. There's no chance of that coming backwards. Yeah, I, I know. Or down like still. I, yeah. I, I'm still man. I like I'm I am still gun shy after like even when I was shooting, you know, when I shot my black five after the. Um, the roller guard broke on me on my Bowtech. Like, I like it. Like every time I draw back, like I could feel myself just like, like bracing for impact a little bit. I mean, I can I can hear Joel Turner screaming at me from here because yeah. it's, it it certainly has messed with my shot process. But like, oh yeah, it it'll mess with you. And that's I mean, in the last three years between bows that I've been testing that were in prototype phase, a self bow. 
um, that was ancient before I ever touched it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've had four or five bows come apart in my hand. Yeah. And, you know, no fault to my, not any fault of my own. Right. The, you know, the prototypes were prototype traditional bows. That's part of the testing process. Yeah. yeah. You know, stuff happens. The self bow was not catastrophic, but, you know, that was like a half a tree in my hand. Yeah. And uh, feeling the limb crack. At full draw when you're holding 74 pounds is not a fun feeling. No, I bet not. You know, and so you just have to go, well, whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm definitely more aware of any sounds from my bow. Um, And that was that was the one thing that I kind of kicked myself on with with this situation was the handful of shots before this little piece broke. I heard some little like, like just like, I don't even know how to describe it, but little noises. And I'm looking everything over, checking everything, no issues. And then in my head, I'm going, okay, like the last time I set it down, I must have gotten a little bit of, you know, a little grain of dirt or something that is just creating this little creaky, you know, you know, kind of sound on the draw. You know, as things are flexing, it's rubbing. That happens. Right. And I was just like, I'm not worried about it. I'll, you know, like normal, I'll tear the bowl apart after season. I'll clean it up, whatever. And like two shots later, that that part broke. There it goes. So that's why I, my bow is on the way to Rob's, in case people hadn't figured that part out yet. Because I can't it, shoot it's, it. It's somewhere in transit. Yeah, well, I guess there's there's that too. <laughs> yeah, so it's it was supposed to be there today, man. And man, now I'm feeling very glad that I slapped some insurance on it. Oh, a hundred percent. Because I I almost didn't do it. Like she brought brought up my total, and she was like, "Do you want to add insurance?" I'm like, I don't know." And like I even no thought it was like should cover it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I even thought like if it's over, I think for USPS, it's like if it's over five hundred requires a signature, and I was like. Man, I don't want him to have, like miss out on it because you know because he. Uh, it would just go to the post just, office. I had to have to go pick it up. Yeah, That's fine. and uh, I, I almost almost didn't do it. But anyway, it was supposed to be there today, and absolutely zero updates from USPS on where it's at. Like <laughs> it, it, it apparently it hasn't worked. left my post office. <laughs> no, no, the the tracking says that it left the the Missouri post office. Oh, great! The, okay. that, that you sent it, mm-hmm. but it has not been scanned since. Anywhere else, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> and that's pretty par for the course for USPS as of late. Well, as of late, that's the yeah. thing is, I mean, I ship ninety five percent of my business stuff through USPS, and like even throughout this COVID mess, I've had you know on a single hand I can count the number of late packages. Yeah, and in the last two weeks, now. I've had a couple of shipments do exactly what Matt's package did, where it left the hub and then it just disappears. 
And mm-hmm. so now I'm going through the whole, oh, this is just frustrating. Cause it's like yeah. you file a lost, it's like it's lost package. And then they take three days and they go, yep, it, it never showed up. And you're like, okay, so then what's the next step? Well, you got to, you got to create, you know, file this and then it'll go out to the rest of the hubs and they'll look for it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, like I'm sending my customer a replacement package. Like, so I just, I just want my, like, just claim it. I don't care. Right. And like, oh, well, no, we got to fill out this. And then after that's completed, then you can claim you know, the insurance and then it'll have to be reviewed again. And I'm like, okay, so there's like three or four different things I've got to file. And this is probably going to drag out for who knows how long. I'm like, you people are scam artists. Like, why did we even insure anything? Oh, they really are. Yeah. So I'm super happy with USPS. I'm trying to figure out uh, a different option. I bet it's back to school stuff. I bet that's what's throwing everything for a loop. That's, all these kids ordering got, all their stuff for school. They've got they a bunch of at home? computers they, and all that. Yeah, they, they've got a bunch of pa- capacity issues with different COVID outbreaks in different regions. Yeah. But then they're also dealing with a, a lack of funding. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, geez. Like, they're shutting that. stuff down left and right. Like the last week, I've seen like three articles on on you know, them addressing delays and everything else. And then they're like trying to like prep for the election with all this mail-in crap. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this is who we're trusting with the election. Like, (laughs) good. Wonderful. Well, you know, what's funny is uh, even, I think it was literally yesterday, either yesterday or the day before my, we got like a, um, like a, baby shower invitation or something some, uh, we got a letter from a local friend they i mean they literally like as the crow flies they live mm, 30 miles at, at most 20 to 30 miles away they're on the other side of kansas city and uh the letter was postmarked uh with a denver stamp <laughs> yep so it was put in a mailbox 25 miles from my house went 400 miles from my house and then came back. That makes sense. I won't claim. I I, now I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not the U S uh, U S postmaster general, but that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but what do I know? Oh, well, it's about as efficient as FedEx is around here. FedEx and UPS actually, but FedEx is super bad. Uh, apparently there's, like, so there's a FedEx distribution center in Hermiston, where I work. And more often than not, when I get stuff shipped via FedEx, it'll go, like, from where it's sent from, it'll come to Hermiston, and then it'll go all the way to Troutdale, which is Portland, and then it'll come back. <laughs> or it won't go to Hermiston, and it'll go to Troutdale first, and if it's coming, like... If it goes to Troutdale, it has to go past Hermiston, where the distribution so center is, and then they bring it back. I'm like, what you know, is who is running this place? It, it's just the epitome of efficiency. Yeah. yeah. What is going on? But I guess to to the point is we're going to be chatting about some ways to be prepared, things yeah. that you can have 
things that you might not have thought of. Um, and you know, this isn't going to be all high dollar, you know, it's going to be small stuff. Yeah. Oh, um, just Cause I mean, stuff that you can easily do. I yeah. Probably yeah. The, the most expensive thing I'm thinking of is like maybe a hundred bucks at most. Oh yeah. That, that'd be like the, way more expensive than what I was thinking of. But I mean, I like right now for like f- for my trip, I have, at least I have a backup boat. So right. I, this last weekend, I verified the tune on my E35. I put together a new set of arrows, and it's a, a lower poundage bow. It's a slower <laughs> bow. So I wasn't sure what I wanted to do there. And so I set up the, the arrows themselves are, are quite a bit lighter than I'm normally running. Um, the The arrow without a point is about four four and a quarter mm-hmm. uh i think like 428 something like that um yep. and so with a, a 600 grain head i'm in the low uh, a 200 grain head i'm in the low 600s with a mm-hmm. 315 i'm in the, the low sevens um and so that's i took <clears throat> both those, you know it's one arrow spined good with either head and I haven't shot that bow with any kind of weight like that in forever. So I walked it back from from point blank to like 70 yards. Yeah. I marked out both sets of arrows on on a single uh, tape. I evaluated and went, all right, I like this. And so it's, right now it's, it's going to be the, the 700 grain setup. <clears throat> Um, it's flying at like 232, which is very close to what my 950s were running out of the RX. And my gaps are very similar to the RX. Yeah. And that's primarily why I went with it. I wasn't overly concerned with running a low 600 grain setup, but I don't have a lot of time to like mentally get that like muscle memory of my holds. Right. You know, with he, to calibrate. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, so, I'll I'll toss out this like. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Rob. Oh, no, you're good, uh, man. I I think at this point, and I'm myself. I'm kind of guilty of this because I have uh, I I've I've got another bow with this CT9 here, but uh, at this point, you can go buy an E35 for three hundred bucks, three fifty, like. Oh cheap. yeah, I, can, I bought mine find- shipped to my door for three twenty five. Yeah, you can you can find E35s all over the place, and th- this is uh, for the for maybe newer hunters, I guess. The E35 is the uh, is uh, is it technically called the Elite 35 or the Elite Energy Ener- 35? Energy, energy 35. 35. Okay, so uh, the Elite Energy 35, commonly known as the E35, uh, was when did it come out? 2013. Yeah, man, I think yeah. it's, I think it's older than that. Uh, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was 14 or 15 because 14. The, yeah, okay. I think I think yeah. 14. I, th- I think. OK, that's the, the one the, that I have is is a 16. Right. But um, they ran it forever and you yeah. can buy them so like damn cheap years, and yeah. they're they're super easy to work on. Uh, it's a three P it's a, well, I don't know if I should say that, but it's a three pre a three piece string set. You can find mods for it everywhere. You can find cams for it everywhere. You can find limbs for it everywhere. It's literally like well, one of the most like interchangeable barn, available part bows ever. You can get yeah. Barnsdales for it, which is super nice. Yeah. Well, and and so, that's where like I mentioned, I'm going to be, I'm probably going to be selling the RX 
this winter. Mm-hmm. That's my current plan is to buy a second E35, pick up uh, a set of Barnsdales. So put together a, a an eighty pound E35, have mm-hmm. my current seventy pound, have those two bows in the stable, and then at some point I'll I'll buy something new, which like the the new PSC Expedite has my eye right now. But yeah, at the, at that point I spent minimal money comparatively for for a new bow. Right, I can run that for however long I want. And then buy something new when I feel like it, you know, and then I've got two matching bows, same grip. Everything else is the same. If something happens, I have nothing to adjust to except for trajectory, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's for I mean, comparatively, it's for minimal money. Right. So honestly, I think that's what I'm going to go to. And then I'll you know, be picky and play with something new down the road. Yeah. But that's but after I, shooting I, that, that E 35 this weekend, I just settled right back into it. I'm like, I forgot how much I like this bow. <laughs> Mine. I like how it shoots, but it's loud as shit. And I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, they're I'm not the it, quietest, but they're not like, as long as no, the timing's right. Loud, loud. That's a lot of times that that's, timing but i'm assuming that you checked that you're you're pretty good with that stuff yeah i think it's on but it might be the string stuff because i think it has like a um it has a matthews string stop on it interesting that might be the issue because Hmm. yeah i don't know Uh, i'm i might just put a cool hand luke on it and, I was yeah, gonna that, say put, most put a CHL do. on it. Yeah, man. Uh, when I had when I had an E thirty five for like five minutes. Um, God, I love that bow though. And and that's a long story longer. It's a cheap bow. Anyone can shoot it, and it's a great like crossover bow. It's incre- It's an incredible hunting bow. But if you want to use it for three D or spots or something like that, you can use it for everything. Incredible bow. Uh, but I had a Saunders. Uh no, I had a voodoo. Uh, that's the one. Voodoo. It's like, it's yep. like the capture one, right? Yeah, yeah, and it like it like sinks in with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I had a Saunders Hyperglide on it, and it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's talking about it being like across the board. That's even women can shoot this bow. You pick right. up a oh, set absolutely. of of the the SP cams. Yep. And or the is it the ES cam or the the SP cam? Uh, it's the cams from the Spirit. I'm yeah, I'm blanking the on the. It's it's the ES cams. Yeah, the ES cams yeah. are the small ones. Um, but it's you pick up a set of the Spirit cams, you put them on an energy, and you just created a short draw energy. So that's like I could pick up one. My wife has has her Spirit that she loves, but it's super right. short, right? So if she wanted a longer bow with a very similar feel. I pick up an energy riser. I put her cams on it and voila, yep. you've got a, you know, long spirit yep. that shoots phenomenal. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that elite did not to keep beating this horse to death, but they made basically all of their parts interchangeable. Like, 
you can you can frankenbow elites like it's going out of style uh so for for those who want to uh uh have a a good cheap backup bow strongly strongly consider an e35 because then you can you can swap over and this i guess this could kind of be uh some we talk about next you can swap over the majority of your peripherals uh you know your parts to uh, to your backup bow if you just make that small investment you don't have to have an entire setup sitting there ready to go uh you know you can uh, uh even even in the field if you need to do like a really quick change in tune as, as long as you know everything is tuned like with the string set then you shouldn't have a big deal with slapping a rest on there and then getting everything set up yeah that's the main reason i still have my i mean i have my e35 but it's 60 pounds now but that's the main that's reason mean. i haven't sold that uh destroyer yet because mm-hmm. if i really need a bow like i know that one's fine yeah right when that's yep. once you go through the process and you shim it if needed it's good yeah like as long as it's in spec then it's good at that yep. point yep. so th- that's the bonus there from a stability standpoint if you are looking from a backup bow that's what you want to look for is something that is going to be very stable which less strings, you know, is typically more stable. Just it's simple, right? But from like a smaller component type thing, like in my case, if there are small plastic pieces, if there are unique little items that are functional, like necessary on your bow, Talk to your dealer. It's probably going to be like five to, you know, 20 bucks per little part. Yep. And small investment. Yeah. It's if you're someone that's already got a backup string set, those are the things you want to look at. Right. Because like in my case, I have everything else to put the bow back together. I like the the floating yoke was frayed. The serving got separated on the cable because of it slamming together. I have those. Mm-hmm. If I had this little piece, I could have put that bow back together and, and not even skip the beat, put it back in, in time and keep running. So having those little pieces and a lot of people just don't think about them. But then uh, like we kind of talked about this before hitting the record button, um, having, you know, D loop material having a chunk of serving, you know, if you need to fix your peep, having a spare peep, all little stuff that costs very little money. Yeah. That you can, you know, have in a, in a medicine container in your pack somewhere. I have a little, I call it my possibles pouch. I'm trying to think of what I'll have in there. I've got a spare buckle for my pack, like a waist belt buckle. Yep. Because if you break that and you're packing out, good luck. Hunt over. Well, no, like, I mean, you're you're going to break it if you're packing out, is when it's going to happen. So, right. Spare buckle. Um, I've got serving wrapped up around a knock and then just like taped to it. Um, Hmm. Just so I have a spare knock in case I need a spare knock for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a length of D loop. What else is in there? Super glue. Definitely always have super glue because, yep. I mean, one, it's multifaceted. Aid, 
Yeah, first aid <laughs> and also for archery stuff. Yeah. Um, also, by the way, side note: if if anyone and Garrett, if I'm getting on to you, I don't apologize. <laughs> if you're if you're hunting in the mountains and you don't have a tourniquet and an Israeli bandage, you are wrong. Go buy one right now and buy a, a good tourniquet. I have a don't buy. I have a good. I think I have a good tourniquet. I don't know. Yeah. Well, don't and just not the rat tourniquet. Those are junk. Don't I think buy those. The cat tourniquet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cats are fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, any of the you just buy, just look for like a quality tourniquet. It's up, they're like thirty bucks. They're not a ton of money. I don't have an Israeli bandage though. No, oh, Israeli got dude, is you got to get one. Th- those are useful, lifesavers, yeah. quite literally, literally. Especially if you like, if you really open yourself up when you're like gutting stuff or you know you're cutting meat up or something like that. Like an Israeli bandage will quite literally save your life. Yeah. So, and and they weigh like a post stamp. So mm-hmm. anyway, continue. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't think I think that's most of what I normally keep in there. Yeah. What about peep? Did you say peep? I don't have a peep in there, but now that I've been talking about it, I'm going to put one in there. You should have one in there. And maybe yeah. I might toss my little like I've got one of those little string splitters, like the wedge style. Yep. I might put one of those in there. And I've always got Allen wrenches. Always yeah. got Allen wrenches in my pack. Yeah. I feel like I, I literally at the R100 shoot, I had three sets of Allen wrenches on me. <laughs> yeah. Because one one had one size that like fit like one thing on my bow that n- neither of the other two had, and the other two were just like the ones I always have. So I guess I had I had three. It was awesome, uh, and I loaned out. I'm pretty sure I loaned out two of them, so I was down to one while I was walking around. So glad I had. Yeah, them. Allen wrenches disappear. They do. They do. It's like ten millimeter sockets. They just like <laughs> they like grow legs and walk away. <laughs> just yeah. gone. Um, uh, okay. So yeah. So I think, I mean, and really, really simple things mm-hmm. to do on top of that, uh, it probably wouldn't hurt to get a, uh, some type of note card or, or print something out and then like cut, you can cut it down real small if you need to, and then laminate it and write down all your measurements, uh, measurements from, uh, knock to peep, uh, um, I'm trying to like, you know, brace what your brace height should be, what your axle to axle should be. So if you pop into a, shop you know and, and maybe they're a shop that typically doesn't work on those bows and maybe it's a place where you don't have internet access like you've got those basics like specs and well, measurements and, written down and this wouldn't just be the basic specs you know because you have the factory spec right right yeah, I would but down exactly after how, you how tune you the bow how it's set up yeah, yeah. once you have your you, you know especially if you're bear shafting once you have it set up and so say it's a, a 32 inch bow and you've got you've tweaked everything and it's still in spec, but it's, it's not actually eight. 32. It's it's 31 and, and 15 sixteenths or whatever the case is. Right. If you know that and you set it there off the start, you know, if you you know say you're on the mountain, something breaks, you have to run to a local shop and you have your spare strength set with. Now they can put it together, and instead of wasting a ton of time finding that sweet spot again, you put it to that starting point, and now it's just fine. Um, but like okay. if you are someone that runs a kisser, having the placement of that, having the placement of the peep, um, and even from like a, a just a, a setup perspective, I know a lot of you know some people aren't fans of this, but having tied a tied in knock point 
Yeah. So why why aren't people a fan of this? They and like, I see some people that only do it. They only do it on the top, or they only do it on the bottom. I've every time I've had a bow set up the last two years, I've always had them do double knock points, and I don't know why people don't do it. I don't know either. Like I used to run a super small D loop, and yeah, I'm like sure short, was, uh, just small overall, like just enough to get my so. When I was shooting that Cascade release, I ran it with the little rope on it, mm-hmm. so I didn't have, so it wouldn't twist my D loop. Um, but I could run a super small loop when I would shoot it because I didn't need, like, I didn't have to get a hook in there, or a, you know, I didn't have to put anything really in it other than that. Like, it's just D loop material. Um, so I ran a super small loop, and then. I think some like I don't know. At some point, I realized I was getting knock pinch, so I just started tying the over under knock points. I don't know why people don't do it though. Like it, yeah. Especially if like especially for Western hunting and field repair. Like, yep. If you blow out your D loop and you're in the middle of the mountains and you don't have those knock points, you are screwed. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's where like I know some people will use like the brass speed knocks to like uh you know mark the above the top knot um which isn't terrible but it is added string weight you know I just i've had it, those it, things fly off and hit me in the face too many times yeah and that's there, there are downsides right um that's what i've been doing is top and bottom served you know uh, tied knocking points um and the, the only thing to pay attention to there is like if you are going to run like a lighted knock, you need to probably use that lighted knock when you're tying your knocking points, because that's where your critical clearance is going to be for knock pinch. Most lighted right. knocks are larger than your standard knocks. So like that's where that's going to be critical. Um but at that point, now you can replace loops on the fly, right? Yep, right. And Garrett, you mentioned this uh, before we started recording, is like the the little string that comes between your uh, strands on for your peep. Yeah, a new string set. Yeah, uh, on a new set. There's nothing wrong with leaving that in there. You know, or even like I, I know some people will, you know, just like tie a knot and, you know, trim it a little bit. So it's not, you know, appearance wise, it's not as noticeable. It's not moving around. But having that in there, if you do have a peep break, if you do have something happen where somehow the peep comes out. Now you're one step closer to being able to get that peep back in yeah. yeah a lighter or two yep. always have a couple lighters in your pack for yeah. numerous reasons yeah seems like a really yeah simple thing i guess yeah. I, i'm not a smoker maybe and i feel like that's a well like for uh, us like when we like when it's cold or whatever and you can have fires out here like having a lighter is so much nicer than trying to oh, yeah. start a fucking fire with flint. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, a fire starter or whatever. Like, no thanks. 
Oh, and that's where, like, I mean, if you do, you know, and this is talking about, you know, being prepared for the unexpected type stuff. So, you know, it's one thing to start a fire with flint if you have dry tinder, if if that's available. If you, you know, for whatever reason, you get stuck in a mess and, you know, it's raining and whatever, you're lost or whatever the case is. Just having a lighter will make things easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't oh, take sure. up any space, right? Like yeah. that awesome. that can shorten the curve on getting heat and and staying stable in a hurry. Yeah. For for guys that are hunting in areas and times when it's not fire season, uh the stuff called pyro putty. Yeah, is amazing. I think it's called Pyro Putty. I need to double check that. But I keep getting sorry. Oh, wait, finish. that stuff is amazing. That, that's all I was going to say. I keep getting commercials for this thing. I think it's called like Blackjack or, or Blackbeard yeah. Firestarter. Blackbeard Pyro Putty is Pyro yeah. Putty is what we use. It's fantastic. They sell it on Go Hunt and I think they might have it on Black Ovis too, but fantastic. Yeah. Comes in like a little like 50 cent piece size can and you only need like a little tiny bit for it to get a fire going. Hmm. Perfect. Yeah, man, no, no shame. I'd be using something like that if I were, if I were in the back country for a while, no shame in my game. I'm not going to try and flint to, you know, like, no, why struggle when you're already out there struggling? Probably. Yeah. Like if you, if you're in an area and if you're camping like in the back country and you need a fire, like it's probably there's like, it's not going super good. Probably, yeah, right. yeah. you're at least cold, you know. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, like, and that's one at the thing. Very least, you're cold. Between, you know, if if it's not going to be detrimental to have that, you know, fire putty or a lighter, whatever the case, in your pack, then what harm is there in having it? Yeah. Because if you need it. It's going to help if you're out there long enough that you use that up and you have to resort to Flint anyway, like good luck. Yeah, you, I mean, but at least you got to that point. Exactly. And I mean, I guess on that note, if you are going back country, you should probably practice with your Flint. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not oh, as easy as a lot yeah. of people think. It's a pain like, in the dick. Let's be honest. And honestly, on that note, it's all about the tinder. Yeah, that that is the trick. Yeah, you need to create a good starting point, and yeah. then it goes a lot easier. It's still not easy, but it's easier. What yeah. else should we have in our possibles pouch? I'm thinking. Oh no! When I did, did we just we talked about how, like, if you have something plastic on your bow, like Rob's string splitter, like make the make the call and the sh- short investment to. Have those. It may not be a horrible. Yeah, it may not be a horrible idea. Like, just uh, so if your bow does take, uh, take or need shims, just to like bring that, like leave it in the truck, maybe. Because if it gets to the point where you like have to go to a shop, like if if you get there and something like something's way off, and then you actually need to end up going to a shop, at least you've got like a shim kit there. Well, I mean, if you're having to mess with shims, then you either had problems before. Sure. I mean, or, but I'd rather I'd rather have them there than not have them. Uh, yeah. I mean, but at the same point, like that's just 
not being prepared and not verifying things ahead of time. Because like Eclipse, Eclipse are good. Are good. Those I have seen. Yeah, come yeah. off actually, and get an Eclipse um, tool. By I'm the missing, way, I mean, yeah, something. I mean, a knife, like a the side of a knife, works fine. Well, to um, get them off, putting them on is can be dicey. Sometimes. Strong fingers. Harder, say harder for me to get them off than it is to get them put back on with yeah, oh, flat. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Eclipse. I'm actually missing one on my seventy pounds bow and i just realized it when i was out hunting so yeah i'm gonna go get some eclipse <laughs> yeah eclipse aren't a bad idea um and like as far as like keeping shims or something like when you buy a shim kit you get a ton of everything yeah so just having a spare set of shims with you just like you know you could like uh, it's unlikely but if you've got shims on your bow you could like knock your bow on something and one of them could get messed up or bent if, or something if the worst happens like your e-clip falls out and then you know your axle catastrophic failure and, yeah and you're not paying attention or whatever and your whole bow comes apart and then you don't have any shims left or you're missing a shim that you need like having spare shims is a good thing to have handy yeah i feel like something that i started doing when i moved to uh and i guess this might be dovetail specific but uh when I first moved to a dovetail site, I always, I just knew like, okay, it's, it's this like dot, like in my, yeah, like this in position. the dovetail that I always use, but I always, now I always mark it with like a Sharpie on both sides, mm-hmm. uh, yep. uh, to, so I know like, and if it gets bumped or something, I'm not second guessing or I can tell, like if I can see one side and I can't see the other, you know, it got, it got moved at least a little bit and that's, that's something worth noting. So yep. I mean, yep. and that's something really, really simple that you can, you can do ahead of time just to double check everything. Probably not the most horrible idea and this is going, maybe going a little overboard, but not the most horrible idea to have at least like a backup piece of hardware for your, uh, rest and or, uh, site. Uh, a backup screw, bolt, whatever you want to call it, I guess. And you could, uh, yeah, you could pick up spare, just have a spare rest bolt, have a spare, um, the little locking screw. Yeah. Oh, a set, set screw? screw. Yeah. yeah. Spare yeah. set screws, because those things can, like, I've had them walk out before, like, walk out and fall out, and I didn't notice. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's, that's cool. Kind yeah. Of, I might but that, that. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a 60 cent investment at the hardware store. Really yeah. easy to just, toss in your pack and eat that half ounce that it adds to your it's total weight. Add a half ounce, I bet. A couple yeah, grains. Probably. Yeah, not much. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else. Have we... Uh, and we're, we're just trying to... I mean, spare you know, broadhead blades if you've got replaceable blades and, you're, and you have yeah. access to them. Yep. Well, and that's like a lot Obviously, of the stuff I, that I we've mentioned. I spare broadheads anyway, but... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we've mentioned regardless of whether you feel it's necessary to have it, you know, with you or like in your pack on a trip, having all this stuff in your, sh- you know, whatever your little shop area is at, you know, at, at your house. Yeah. I mean, all this is, stuff is big. Cause yeah, all this stuff is kind of in my tackle box that I have for my yep. stuff or, you know, yeah. on my workbench or something. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, yeah. I'm not at the point. Yeah at this point yet but i mean realistically i would like to have a spare rest mm-hmm. i would like to have a backup site 
you know, it's, I have multiple sites, but I also have multiple bows that are like on things. Right. right. But, you know, honestly, if, if, if I'm keeping a backup rest available, I'm probably keeping a whisker biscuit like in the truck. It's not a bad because idea. it's not a bad it's idea. And it's, and it's fairly up. cheap, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, like $30 investment and, you, and it's a rest, you know, will work at least for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Especially it's fully functional. Yeah, if you've got a hell, you could even for backcountry guys, you could even toss that in a pack. Yeah, well, and that's what I was gonna I was gonna add. And if if you're if you're really wanting to be prepared, I guess uh, uh, the Cinem. I don't know if, if I'm saying yeah. that right, but the the out of out of all the portable bow presses that I've seen, the Cinem portable looks, bow press seems slick. to it, 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 is. It, it is it is slick. And and I know so especially the hardcore, you know, super lightweight guys. Uh, that are going in for, you know, t- t- 10, 12 days, I guess. And they're trying to keep it like really, really light, like may not want to take it. But man, I feel like that's well, but like, even say, having that in the truck. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like you can you can either keep it in the truck to where you may not have to drive three hours to the closest shop or if you want to bring it with you and, and eat that six to eight ounces, then I think that's uh, not a not a horrible idea. Yeah, because I mean, I mean especially if you're ha- half this stuff, half this stuff, you have to press your bow for anyway. Want to put yeah. a new peep in? Got to press it. Like yeah. if I mean, you're you packing, know. you know, 20, 30 miles or whatever. And that's how far like if you go in 20 miles and that's how far out you have to go to get to your truck. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's where up, it depends on the situation. Too. Right. Right. Because say, I mean, if you're hiking in, say, at least in, in my mind, say five, six miles. At that point, I can leave some of the less expected things in the truck. In the truck. Right. Right. If I'm if I'm going back country, back country, like you just mentioned, going 20, 30 miles and then setting up like a base camp and hunting from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I, I, mean, I can pack can a couple pack extra it. things, yeah, and leave it, it at camp. And, right, right, right. Yeah, even I mean, you know, a lot of guys will go, you know, go out. Just you know, when you go hunting, Rob, you're how far away from home? Yeah, that's I'm like three well, and a half hours from home. Yeah, so I don't know where the nearest shop is, but it's probably not too close. Yeah, no. So and that's where, like, I mean, that stuff will come to camp. Like, I bring a lot, like, I bring a ton of stuff to camp that I probably don't need, or by camp, I mean Dave's house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, now we have a bow press there, and I've got everything. Like, we've got a bow shop pretty much at Dave's house in case anything goes wrong, wrong. So, right. yeah. That's good. But, you know, not everybody has the means to do that. So, like, just little, having the little yeah. stuff is, well, is and that's a where, like, place to start. The, the Cinem Press is i mean literally the box that it fits in is like i don't know four by three by two like it is it is not large um and you can do pretty much everything with it that's i full tuned a guy's bow last summer at hunting camp like i mean it was kind of planned because he like something happened. He just bought a brand new bow. He knew I was going to be at camp and went, okay, like heads up. I have a brand new out of the box bow. I'm bringing my arrows, everything else. Like first evening we're sitting down we're, we're setting this thing up. Right. And 
it, it went fine. Yeah. Like we, we were able to, to press it. We, you know, set the peep, we adjusted the yokes, we ran through everything, got it dialed, had them ready to hunt the next morning. And so having something like that can be huge. Yeah, for sure. Like, And, and that's I mean, probably out, out of everything we've talked about, short of a new bow, that's your most expensive investment, out yeah. of, like by a mile. Yeah, it's a hundred bucks. Like, I mean, you talk like, yeah, and I, I always kind of go back to this when when Bruce mentioned, you know, if you you made a made a shot on an animal and then you wish you could pull a you know a fifty dollar bill out of your uh, pocket and say like, you know, I'd, I'd like a do over, please. Uh, you know, would you? Would you be willing to pull out a hundred dollar bill and and not have to walk back, you know, 10, 15, 20 miles to the to the truck or, or you know, do that and then drive three hours to the closest shop to have a have a <laughs> and, peep put in. And to have and, no idea if that shop no has sense. anything that you need. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And especially with us, like nothing like you know, guys that start getting serious about their equipment, it's like, oh, like I need an eighth inch peep or, a, um, or you know, a, the I always seem to shoot. What, what's what's the smallest size most people end up carrying? Is it is it eighth? But I, I, I shoot a most shops smaller. carry like a quarter and maybe three sixteenths. OK, Not then, yeah. a so ton I, of I, shops I, carry eighth yeah. Um, or uh, yeah. So I, I shoot an eighth inch peep and, and 30 seconds, but. Yeah, and and in no no shop yeah, in Kansas City, thirty has, seconds is what I, I meant, not five sixteenths. Oh yeah, and no shop in Kansas City has my size peep. So right. point being, it's you know you, like you know guys that start getting serious about their equipment and start you know tuning it to exactly the way they want it. When you introduce a variable like that, like yeah, you have no idea if a shop is going to have what you need. So total crapshoot. Yeah. Well, and it's just a matter of, you know, again, evaluating your setup and picking out the things that fit for you. Right. Yeah. Because like if if you're someone that isn't running really high poundage, you know, standard draw length, like you can probably run to any shop and get a shaft that will work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to find 150s. Yeah. Right. And most of our broadheads we're not going to find yeah. in a shop. Um, you know, stuff like that. So it's one where, like, when you're looking at what you want to have extras of, that's kind of how I look at it. If it's something that I can walk into any shop and know that it's going to be there, then I probably you know, don't necessarily need to have it. It'll be one of the last things on the list, but you just kind of start working back and going, okay, like if I need this, what's that going to mean for my hunt? Is that going to be a couple hours or is that going to be a a day or more burned? And, you know, that can play into what is applicable for you right right yeah absolutely just got to figure out uh got to figure out how what what is most important to you and uh, you know what what makes your life easier but i i think i mean 
out of every like everything that we've mentioned, like all the spare parts. I mean, what what are you looking at cost wise? You think fifty bucks maybe? It, like if you want to have mean, a backup, everything. It depends like, on what for, you want because like I have so like just myself. Um, it's so, like I typically have a spare string set. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm so, glad. I'm glad you brought that up. So but that is. I'll let you finish, be, and then I want to circle back around to that. You know that depending on who you go through, that's going to be eighty to a hundred plus. You right. know, what I mean the 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 prices can vary depending on who you go through for that. Sure. Um, but then you know a peep, some D loop material, some serving material, like all of that stuff is not much. Yeah, super cheap. I mean, I'm glad you brought up strings, though. So I, I think people need to get in the habit, and maybe now I'm I'm thinking this way because I've found a string maker that I actually like. Uh, I think people need to get in the habit of if you buy a bow, if you think that it needs strings, just buy them. two sets. Yeah, yeah. Buy buy two sets. Put a put the new set on there, and then when that set does eventually wear out in like a year or two, and you put up your quote on put on your quote unquote backup set go ahead and order another set and then you've you've just got this continual backup set you know if you if you think you're going to keep the bow that long yeah but yeah and and that's that that probably is the most investment or the 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 steepest investment out of out of all this is is a backup string set if you want to have it. yeah and that's my process for the last handful of years has been you know if i pick up a new bow I'm going to pick up two, like you said. Right. And I'll, I mean, if it's a brand new bowl, I'll, I'll pick up one. Right. Cause I'm going to run the factory set unless it's something that I, I know I, you know, from previous experience that it, it stretches or whatever. Most string sets, I guess I am not a fan of the zebra strings, but yeah. like on my Hoyt on, on any PSEs that I've played with, those are are good strings. At least I haven't had any issues with them. Right. Um, Elite, I believe, still uses America's best. Uh, I think that's right. Don't they? I think. I think so. It's it, whoever the it, it was. It, I know that it's a decent string, a decent like mass-produced string. Right. Um. And so, you know, if you pick up a brand oh, new no, bowl. Oh, no, it's a winner's choice. Winner's choice. Winner's. Yeah, not America's best. Um, you know, just pick up one set as your backup, right? And then so yeah. say if you shoot a ton, like w- when I was shooting in two different leagues and doing tournaments on the weekends and practicing in between that stuff, like I was swapping string sets every year, if not right. sooner. And so it was like I got into a cycle of, okay, well, I want to have, you know, I don't want to have brand new, brand new strings right for hunting season. Like I want to make sure that any little settle that does happen happens and I can verify and and set everything and have it locked. So I normally would put a new set on at, you know, right after turkey. Because turkey... I'm going to be out in the rain and the mud and everything else. And at that point, I'm going, I don't care. It's not going to move in the next month. Like from me doing this, 
Right. And so I'll, I mean, I would hunt and not be overly stressed about, oh my God, like I just sat in the rain for five hours. Like, nope, whatever. I'm fine. Yeah. And then after that was done, I'd swap them out. I'd run them for 3D season and league for summer. Check them again in, you know, July, August. Fine tune if needed with broadheads. Run them for season. And then you're right into winter leagues. And then you're back to Turkey. And for me, that worked well. Right. For other right. people that 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 aren't shooting that volume, you can probably stretch that to two, maybe three years. And so it's just, you know, reducing your cost. You're not using them as much. You're not wearing them out as much. Great. Yeah. But at that point, then you if something happens in that period. You know, so, I mean, two years ago, I was uh, the the property that we hunt up in northern Wisconsin. We run four wheelers to our access points. Right. And the four wheeler I normally run was broken down. And so I was borrowing one from one of the other guys up there. Didn't have a rack, didn't have anywhere for me to actually like. I guess attach my bow or safely carry my bow. And so I, it's, you know, four in the morning, it's pitch black. And I just went, whatever, I'm just going to, you know, I, I put something down. So my limbs weren't on the rack and I just bungeed it to the rack. Right. Not thinking that, Oh, this is a like rhino rhino lined, like, you know, rubberized textured, coated rack and in the dark i couldn't see that my yoke was touching one of the bars Mm. like three miles later a little rubbity dub dub going on there uh and so i'm sitting in the stand sun's coming up and i'm like what is wrong with my string i'm thinking it's like mud like it's all muddy trails and you know muddy roads and i like go to rub it and nothing you know it's still there the sun comes up a little more and I'm like, yep, that's like half frayed through. Yep. No. So at that point, time to switch. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. But, you know, s- stuff like that, you don't always you're not expecting. Yeah. Well, and, especially like, I mean, if you get like right now, if you if you're about to go into elk season and you need strings, pff, good luck. Yeah. I mean, most but anyone that get them. most <laughs> anyone that you would order through is like two to four weeks right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm pretty, sure, pretty sure Austin's just about to be like, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. Hunting, it's hunting season, him. fellas. Well, I mean, that's, I had, I had a guy what, two weeks ago with a VRX that had the string snap like three days after I tuned it. Um, that's he's probably waiting another two weeks for a set of strings. I had a guy last week that went, man, I completely forgot to order my string. When can you get me in to swap this? I'm like, well, did you order your string? Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I put the order in today. I'm like, you're not going to have See your you string for three weeks. I'm going to be in Alaska. 
and then it's hunting season. Yeah. Like, let me know when it shows up. But like, if you had the string, I'd squeeze you in, you know, this week. But sorry, like you you need your string. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it's like those situations can hurt, especially if you're, you know, in a time crunch where it's opening weekend or you're about to leave on a trip or whatever the case, like that's when timing is critical and it, it pays in dividends to have stuff already set aside. Yep. I know. And I don't want to, uh, I don't want people to think that, uh, you know, we're, we're saying that if you don't do these things that you're, you're ill prepared because, you know, I, I, there's a lot of guys that I know that, you know, they, the budget is, is something they have to strongly, strongly consider. And, and, oh, yeah. An extra, an extra string set is just out of the question. I, I get that. But, you know, if you're, if you're going to make, if you can't do an extra string set, then, you know, just then think about making the, you know, the $5 investment to get some string wax and to wax early and often if you need it. Uh, you know, well, just and- small, small things like that where, you know, if you can't make the big investment, at least look at what you can do to, to really push the value of what you currently have. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we covered that is, you know, dollars, right? It's small, small dollar amounts of things that you can just have and and know how to install and not need to run to a shop during the busiest time of the year. Yep. Now, on top also, of that, you you need the knowledge to be able to do it too. So yeah, uh, yeah something. Yeah. And and if you don't like, if you're like me and you you know you don't own a press, and uh, if you you know I, I know a, a bit about tuning, like I mentioned in the last episode, certainly not a tuning guru by any means, but you know a twenty dollar investment for something like Bowshot Bible is, you know, if I was if somewhere that had cell phone reception and uh, like that, that may be the the app that that <laughs> saves me when I'm in the backcountry. So something to keep in mind. What are you saying, Garrett? Um, I was just going to say from someone who worked in a shop in these terrible times, like, you know, the few weeks before season, um, don't be a dick. Like if you, if your shit's not straight and you need it worked on and you're going to a shop right now, like be prepared to wait yeah. or be willing to drop your bow off and come back and get it later because that's not the shop's fault that you dropped the ball, like take a little personal responsibility in your life and your decisions and just go in. Like I can tell you like hundred percent from personal experience. If somebody comes in and they're a complete dickhead and treats me like I'm the asshole because I can't get to, like I can't help them immediately when they walk in the door and somebody comes in 10 minutes later after that person, like, like, let's say I can, you know, calm them down and get them to leave their bow for the evening or whatever, or leave their bow until I can get to it and come back. And like, I'll call them when it's done. It'll be good to go. They just have to come back and pick it up. Someone comes in and is super nice 15, 20 minutes later. I'll probably help that person if I have the time on my hands to help them at that in that moment. Like, right. That's like, that's how customer service works. Yeah. If Common you, courtesy, yeah. if you're the customer, is always going to get you further than being an asshole. Yeah. Always. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you show up and you're a dick, like, good luck, because 
I'm not very nice to people that are not nice to me. So, and I yeah. know plenty of people that are the same way. They just so happen, like, especially if, like, you know, shops that actually know what they're doing, a lot of people go to them, especially right now, because they know that their stuff will be as it's supposed to when they leave the shop. So, if you're going to a good shop and they have long wait times, like, you should have seen that coming because you know they're a good shop. So, just don't yeah. be a dick. Well, yeah. and, and that's and, where, and, you know, have have your stuff ready before season. I mean, it's it, it. I can fully understand the frustration of having something go wrong, knowing that you need it in a week and then being told that, you know, you're going to have to drop it off. Right. But in, yeah. in the same token, that shop more than likely has multiple bows that were dropped off before you showed up. And all of those guys are in the same position. Right. And so it's, it, it's first come first serve. Yep. You know, and I tell and, you what, <clears throat> you're a dick, sir. at least for me. Yeah, no, uh, agreed. <laughs> and it's, I mean, if it's something that can be handled quickly, that's yeah. one thing. It's like, hey, it, 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 tie it in and you're super nice. Yeah, I'll toss it in. You know, nope, if you're nope. coming in and going like, man, my, my arrow flight's all over the place. I need you to do a full tune-up. Okay, yep, it, it'll go get in line. There's, you know, five yeah. bows ahead of you. I've got, yeah. I've got a rack of bows <laughs> that need the same thing. So. Right? Yeah. Like, I, tell, I, tell you, I tell you what, though, just from like, and this kind of goes back to what we talked about a long time ago with like just, you know, trying to be friendly and support your local shop as much as you can. A phone call to that, I, I guarantee you want you want a like quick way to get to the front of the line. Oh yeah, call call, call that shop, call them and be like, hey, I know you guys are swamped. Like I don't want to waste your time, and and I'm busy as well. When would be the best time for me to bring this bow in for you to do this to it? Yeah, schedule and an appointment. I gu- guarantee it. Boom, front of the line. Yeah, if they you know it, or even they may say like, hey, we we open at nine. Like get here at eight and I'll go ahead and work on your bow. Right. And and then you've got an hour of time that they're going to be dedicated to you or, you know, wh- whatever. I get shops will bend over backwards if you are if you like make that small effort to uh, uh, to, to work with you know, their schedule to, to work. Yeah. To work with them. Yeah. Uh, at least that's that's been my experience with the with like the one local shop that I like. Anytime I've been like, hey, like I need I need this done or I need this product. And like these are these are my availability. Like, you know, this is what I can do, they've always worked with me. So right. worth a phone call. The worst yeah. they can say is drop it off. So, you know. yeah. And exactly. I mean, and then then, you know, when you walk in that it's like, hey, I'm just here to drop this off. We talk. Yeah. And, and they yeah. And they already know what it is. You don't have to re, you know, explain everything right. while they're working on five other bows and they forget what years needed. Right. So, yeah, yeah it's just I mean, there you go. Just common. I mean, common sense isn't always so common, but you're telling me <laughs> But it's just little things like, I mean, it's always little things, you know, like it just especially you know, just getting dialed in for the season. It's always a little shit that goes wrong that you're not quite sure if you're ready or whatever, or you, yeah. know, you forgot a couple little things and then you got to figure it out and just, yeah, I mean, prepare ahead of time and then you have less little things that'll probably go wrong. But yeah, or Maybe I'll put this at the the very beginning for uh, all of our traditional guys. 
this list can be summed up really, really quickly if you're shooting a trap bow. Spare oh, string. Yeah. There you go. And that's it. That's yeah. all you need. Maybe some like, extra felt. Like Yeah, yeah. Like uh, if you really want, I guess. Like, that's not even like necessary. Like No, no. It just like all this talk of like, oh, like have a backup this, backup this, backup this. I'm the whole time just thinking this is why I wanted to go to a traditional bow. Simple. It, it, it is it's so <laughs> simple. And yeah, like what do you have a, a backup tab? Like if you get attacked by a bear and you lose your main tab, like I don't even know. But it's just yeah. It's a different world. It, it is a very different world. Uh, okay. It, so this is completely off topic, but your comment made me think of it. The the Levi Instagram story. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Yeah. Like, not only did he trash on guys that like heavy arrows, he trashed so. hard on trad guys. Oh, well, I, I can tell you why. Do you, I mean, you know why, right? I, oh, yeah, my God. I, I, kind, I slightly Dude. agree with him, actually. Well, uh, let me let me <laughs> give you some point. context. Let me give you to some context. Point. So, uh, I'm I'm not going to say who who it was. Um, a couple, I think it was probably two years ago now, maybe three. He Levi posted a video of him shooting a doe and basically getting like zero penetration on it. Yeah, no, I I, I remember this comment. Yeah, and uh, somebody like uh, some a bunch of people flocked to that page and were like, man, should have used a better arrow setup. And, uh, and I guess Levi creeped on some of these people and they were all trad ball, trad, trad ball, trad bow shooters. And so Levi was like, Oh, I think it's funny that all these trad bow shooters, which is like the least effective way to kill anything is, uh, are trying to harp on, on what I'm shooting. But yeah, I, I feel and like he's kind of had a bit a, of a, a grudge against uh, a good traditional like setup. Will still pass through most stuff. Yeah, oh, I it don't will. agree with that statement, but there are an Wh- awful which one? Lot, uh, where he said that trad setups. Are oh, I, I didn't know if you meant yeah. my comment or his. No, no, okay. no, no, his. I don't yeah. agree with his statement that a trad setup is unethical or whatever. But there is a wide variety of folks that can't shoot a compound very well and then will sometimes try traditional and that doesn't go very well either yeah oh yeah oh and that's i mean there's guys that can't shoot across the board there's guys that can't shoot rifles like can't shoot crossbows which is amazing yeah so i mean to me that is non-relevant he he did like, also trash on Thorn Broadheads, though, which I love that was funny. Every bit of. I, yeah. I haven't even I haven't even watched it. Oh, I don't even I know if I'm going to. It, so I don't. Somebody, somebody I'm mentioned. I'm in the camp of like if I don't it, like I'm not saying that I don't like Levi because I like, I don't know a ton about him to be honest with you. Other than when people talk about you know he's saying him saying stuff like this, but like yeah. if there's somebody in general that I like just don't really like or support like there's this makeup guy that my wife watches all the time and I just hate him. I think he's the biggest, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, he's the biggest narcissist. Just like he's, he's insane. Like he, just, I hate everything about him. And, and when my, when I walk in, my wife's watching it, I'll just turn around, walk back out. I'm like, I don't even want to like <laughs> dignify, like giving him my time of day in like yeah. any capacity. So yeah. all these people they get like super worked up but with these people that they don't agree with, I'm just like, man, like you guys need to calm down. Oh yeah. It's no, that I had no clue about it until everyone was talking and then I I listened to it on the way to work this morning. No, I didn't. But I didn't even listen to it. It was 
Like, I don't somebody, know. Somebody asked him, he, they asked him the question about Valkyrie. And he was like, because you know, they're asking about broadheads, but he only knows about fucking Swackers people because that's what he gets paid to shoot. So yeah. stop asking about other broadheads. He probably doesn't know. Anyway, well, somebody asked or him other about arrows the, or, or other arrows. Yeah. If yeah. it's not a gold tip, he probably doesn't give a shit. Uh, Does he shoot gold tip? Levi shoots gold tip too? Yeah. Yeah, he has. Uh, I, 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 no, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so somebody asked him about Valkyrie. He was like, are those the ones that you have to hit with a freaking hammer to get them to open? Like, those, <laughs> that's the stupidest, stupidest d- design broadhead I've ever seen. I'd never shoot that. What? And he was like, he's like, oh, no, those are Thorn. That's what Gillingham shoots. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I was okay. like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, funny. yeah talk about those shit bags i hate those things <laughs> oh man well throw them in the trash yeah well but he yeah. also doesn't think that a fixed blade stays sharp past the hide so and or I, fat. Yeah. I don't understand i, I like, have i have a i did, have a theory okay, i have a question on this does, yeah, go ahead. does fat actually dull blades um i mean anything Dulls I mean, it. It's a yeah, matter but of like, I've, I mean, I've never hair. I would say, yeah, the dulls, hide for sure. Yeah, hair and hide would be a lot but, more than the fat. Right, yeah, was saying, fat's fat's about the sat the softest thing it's going to be going through. So I would right. assume that would be probably the the least coarse medium is going to be you know yeah, the the least affecting. He was like, "Have you ever ran your knife when you're getting out of deer? Have you ever ran your knife in the fat and see how fast it dulls?" I'm like, "What?" No, hmm. that's not how. Who's been, who's been cutting up your deer? Because it wasn't you, man. Well, when, 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 when you're when you're running, you know, garbage replaceable blade knives, I'm sure that that's a problem. <laughs> that is a problem. <laughs> and then the blades break. Like uh, terrible. You almost yeah. cut your that's, wrist open. You know, like me. I would I would venture to guess, and and this this is strictly is strictly a guess that. Uh, due to the, I'm going to continue to call it the hunting public effect that due to the hunting public, that, uh, mechanical broadhead sales are down, uh, between, between COVID and the hunting public, I'm, I'm making a very strong assumption. Well, and, uh, part of that being, did you see what Faradine did the other, yeah, or, the other day? Well, they yeah. cut their target shooting staff, right? Uh, yeah. yes. Their yeah, entire but, pro I mean, staff, all, all like the staff shooters gone. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that uh, profits are down for companies as a whole. Poor and uh, yeah, 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 poor dude. <laughs> um, uh, and, and I'm guessing that, that uh, didn't pay off. Well, Imagine and, you invest and, in, the, in the shittiest equipment in the yeah. archery industry and it goes south. Who would have thought? Yeah. Well, and that's on that same note, Matt. It's it's amazing the impact that we've seen this year. Oh yeah, because you can't you, you can't you look, buy two hundred oh, grain broadheads. You, you can't buy two hundred fifty spine anywhere. Like, it's, it's it's across nuts. the board. It's uh, yeah. I mean, Grizzly Stick, Black Eagle, Victory, Easton, everyone. Like you cannot find shafts. It, it took Black Eagle that normally, if I put an order in, it normally ships same day or the next day. Yeah. It took what almost five, almost six weeks for me to be able to place an order for for two fifty bear shafts. Yeah, 
Like uh, it took a month for me to be able to get more broadheads. Yeah. Like I'm glad that it seems like my TDTs are going to fly well. Cause I bought those seconds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're going to be okay. We'll see once I get further down the rabbit hole. Uh, but if not, I'm not going to be able to shoot my 80 pound bow this year. Yeah. Cause unless I go with like a 500 and some grain arrow, like a li- way lighter arrow instead of. Yep. The well, and it's fr- from what we were shooting. from what it sounded like everything was looking pretty solid. Yeah. So. I was shooting. I shot bear shaft yesterday and bear shaft and field point went in the same spot, but my sight wasn't sighted in. So I was just like, Oh, let's go in the same place. Okay, cool. Yep. Well, and at that point but, you just set the sight, run it. Yeah. Yep. But that thing is slightly frightening, like in a good way. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm excited when I've only, so I've had, when I shot my, when I had my first destroyer, I think the heaviest arrow I shot out of that was my target arrows were like 440, but I was shooting the full bores and they had this distinct sound when going down range. Like it sounded like, you know how they make arrows sound in the movies? Like mm-hmm. They've got like that weird pitch to them as they travel. Like, yeah, that's what these arrows sounded like. And that's also what these TDTs sound like coming out of my bow. It's just like, oh, all right. That's little, a thump. Little it's menacing like a, sound. Yeah. It's just like a, f- I'm like, oh. yeah, like that. All right. I mean, it's not, you know, it sounds like an arrow, but like I can, there's a different little bit of a different tone to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. God, you're, you're not hear, saying that they're extremely like, noisy. Oh. No, it's, it's a, not it's loud. A, it's it's just a slightly a, different tone. Yeah, it's a different yeah. tone. But yeah, well, and then I mean, they you're, hit the target. It's like, a, oh. Yeah, well, you're slinging a 620 plus grain arrow at two, what'd you say, like 275? 273, 275, yeah. Whew, it's neat. Yeah. I, it, it's fun, I, isn't I, it? I saw, I saw a 60 pound realm x today and i almost like i thought about it for a second i was like i never should have traded that bow or sold well, that bow i would have gotten rid of the one that the flex guard died on me too yeah yeah I was, whatever. We, we both got rid of the best bow that we've ever owned so I don't yeah know what we're talking about <laughs> it's true same but, exact but, same bow but man but then when the when evan was pro staff for him for literally like a week uh, and he was like, I want 80 pound limbs. And they were like, yeah, we don't do it because you don't need it. He was literally like his opinion. His exact response was no one tells me what I need. <laughs> and left <their> pro staff. <laughs> oh, yep. man. But I, find, I find it so funny how people were just like, you don't need 80 pounds. Like, like, I didn't I, ask you. I yeah. told you what I wanted. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and it's just not like. Like, yeah, like you have, a, you have to have like a little hair on your nuts, but like, it's not that hard. It really isn't. I, like I mean, and, th- and my, think about, I, think about like all of like what our like dads and grandpa, like, I mean, all of those guys were shooting 80, 85, 90, 95 pound bows. Like, dad, uh, like that was just standard for my them. dad had a 90 pound, like 90 pound Allen bow mm-hmm. just like the old style wheel steel cables yep. yeah with thing, like 40 percent let off that thing yeah. was a bitch yeah i hated drawing that thing as soon as i got strong enough to draw it i think i drew it like once or twice i was like that's enough i'm good yeah yeah and i think <laughs> he, even like before he got like before bows got faster or whatever he ended up buying like the 
what was it? It was like the ProLine New Wave or whatever when it first came out, or the ProLine mm-hmm. Wave because it was the first one that had an IBO over 300 feet per second or whatever. But, you know, they're running overdraws and all sorts of shit. Yeah. But uh, before that, I think he told me that he had like a 110-pound bow. Like, be- oh, my Lord. He, yeah, I'm like, what? how? He's like, yeah, my shoulders don't work anymore. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I can't. I can imagine. I'm like, I'm sure that you weren't drawing that in a good way. He's like, oh, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, it was just whatever I could do to get it back. That's that's how it worked. Like, right. Well, yeah. and, and that's the biggest thing with with any bow, regardless of weight, is to make sure you're drawing it properly. Yeah. Honestly, like, my my eighty pound Realmex is like I love drawing that thing. It's so smooth. Mm-hmm. Like it's like you know it's a Bowtech, so it's stiff up front, but it's still smooth all the way through. And then, yeah. I, then I go draw my 70 pounder. I'm like, is there something wrong with this thing? What? Yeah, man. Well, that's <laughs> after I shot that black five at, at 80 pounds for a month or so. And I shot this CT nine at like, I think it was at like 68 or something. And you're like, what I, I, I about, I about ripped the cams off of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I was just like, oh, oh my yeah. God, like this is a joke. Like the it's first, a, it's a freaking joke. The first couple draws of my 70 pounder after I draw the 80 all day is like, I bounce it off the the freaking stops i'm like oh yeah oh, that's right my bad yeah yeah anyway now we're kind of getting we're we're way off track yeah we're, anything, we're anything else i i I, pr- I promised the wife i was going to be done by 10 30 tonight so and and i would like to sleep sometime so oh, yeah, yeah. it's almost 10 30 your time huh yeah sure is i'm no tired. i i think that we uh covered what we wanted to cover so i think we're yeah. i think we're good it was a I think good, so too it was a good normal episode yeah yeah bunch of us talking and not really sure exactly. I mean, I know what we covered, but a I was lot actually, of uh, I was actually talking. So like, man, Garrett people, actually <laughs> talked. It's amazing. People rec- people request it. They want Garrett to talk more. This is how we're gonna do it. Oh. Uh, cool. Well, next, I, I think, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that next week, uh, uh, next week's episode is gonna be with uh, Earl. Str- is it Straw or Stro? I've been pronouncing it Stro in my I have mind. Also. Okay. If that's wrong, Earl, we're sorry. Sorry. Yeah. You'll correct uh, later. With Ur- guess, Earl guess we'll Stroh of, uh, yeah, of, uh, of Cutter Stabilizers, uh, Garrett and I both have been running it, and I sent them to Rob to use if he wants to. Uh, I ran them. I, I'm I ran looking them forward to it because I wanted to pick some up, and I just haven't yet. No, I understand, but they're, uh, they're dope. Uh, they're what I ran on my Black 5 when I shot what did i shoot 20 up at r100 so uh and that was literally my first outing with them so i i was very very impressed uh and i like i love my quivelizer but like having shot it in like really windy conditions it's it a mess can pre- it, it can present some problems because it's yep. quite the sail on the front of your arrow or on the yeah. front of your bow i got the cutters uh, because i wanted my 80 pound bow to be lighter yep sure overall, yeah you know and like, yeah, because my my 70 pound bow is a freaking anchor with all the shit I've got on it. But sure, it holds great. So it's fine. But mm-hmm. that, I wanted the 80 pound bow to be lighter for packing around all the time for elk. Because, yeah, last year when I was packing my bull out, I had to give my bow to Dave because I was packing way too much weight and I couldn't <laughs> also carry the bow. <laughs> like, yeah. hey man, can you carry this? Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for for those who don't know, Cutter Stabilizers makes uh they make like a micro diameter stabilizer. Like it's really really small and it's really really light. It's carbon. Um, and they've uh, got the, they're they're, they're slick. They've got them. Are they out to eighteen inches? 
15, I believe. I thought it was 15. Yeah. Maybe it's 15. Yeah, do they have one yeah, that's I got longer 15, now? I got a fifteen ten setup. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. I did a ten eight because I was just I was wanting to. I I, I was going to do a ten eight for uh running like a bow hunter class, mm-hmm. and then when uh well now I don't even see the oh it's because it's a featured product. Uh, and then for hunting I was going to pick up a fifteen and then run a fifteen ten. Yep. Uh, for fifteen in the front, uh, ten in the rear slash side, and that seems to be a really popular setup for the Western guys. But like anyway, er- yeah, but Earl's actually he's listened to the show for a while, and he's uh, we've been I've been right? I've been yeah he was like one of our very first reviews on <laughs> iTunes. It's really funny. Thanks, uh, but yeah, thanks, man. Uh, but uh, but Earl knows knows his shit about stabilizers because before I bought these, I probably asked him. I'm not even exaggerating, like a hundred questions. Like I asked yeah, him I just, so many questions about that. You asked and, all the questions and I was like, Hey man, I'm going to order some stabilizers. He's like, cool. I'll yeah. Sure they, I'll make sure they get to you. I'm like, yeah, that is your job. That's what I'm painting. Yeah. I, yeah. And, uh, and I guess he sells a wrap too, that he says is like insanely. Yeah. He says his wraps are one to two grains. Huh? Oh, really? Yeah. His How premium era wraps. That? Yeah, he says he says they're one to two grains per wrap, so you won't sacrifice much FOC to utilize this wrap. That is intriguing. Yeah, for sure, and that, that's what like I, I need to, to cutter stabilizers website. Currently. Yeah, we need to order some of those, <laughs> and they're on sale. They're eight bucks a pop right now. Son of so, a bitch. yep. Earlier, you're but anyway, more money. Yeah, yeah, there we go. We'll just <laughs> tell them to tell them to go ahead and pack them up and send them over. Uh, yeah, 12, 12 wraps for eight bucks, one to two grains per wrap. Yeah. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a no brainer. It is. But yeah, especially cause my, my blind ass can't see the arrows anyway. Okay. That's what's happening next week. Come back and, uh, hang out with us till next time. Disrupt the status quo. Bye.